0: This week, we've highlights from the Lincolnshire show. I mean, Lincolnshire is the powerhouse
1: county of the UK agriculturally, and the show reflects it. It's good for people to come and see us and have a chat about what's coming up in farming. Plus, this week, reaction to that agriculture bill in the Queen's speech.
2: I think we've got a tremendous opportunity as an industry to design and redesign an agriculture policy fit for the 21st century, going back to first
3: principles. The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale.
4: Good morning more from farming minister george eustace in a short while first it's been an interesting week for prices on the grain market so i thought we'd start with our report from open field chris spratt joins us this week fresh from two days being out in the field at the show as well morning chris morning sean i'm not quite so sure about the fresh actually still <laughs> recovering but uh likewise, likewise. yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, how was it for you
5: yeah it was a good good show really enjoyed it um Super two days. Anybody who hasn't been really should make the effort to go, I think. Uh, uh, And certainly... From an openfield point of view, we had a, a very successful show. Um, lots of existing members came on the stand, which is great to see them and spend a bit of time with them. Um, we also had new interests from people who hadn 't traded with openfield before. We had one or two high, high profile people came on the stand we had uh, uh, the uh, agricultural attache from Russia came onto the stand at one stage and then we had George Eustace as well wanting to hear openfield's viewpoint on on brexit and what you know as an industry we should be trying to achieve so and When you actually delve into that, Sean, which we haven't got time to today,
4: uh, there is uh, just more questions than answers appear all the time, I think, really. Indeed. I know we'll be hearing from uh, George Usis certainly uh, a little later in the programme. It's been quite an interesting week. In your world, hasn't it? Absolutely, before? yeah. I mean, I've spent um, large part of the week up at the show, either
5: setting up uh, or, or, or taking down as well. Towards the end of the week, but the markets, by and large, uh, we've seen some uh, some reasonable gains. Certainly, the first part of the week, um, there was follow through from the uh, U.S. rally the week before. Uh, and I think what we've got there is decreasing crop ratings there. Their rally has really just been telling the market that they're just closing the doors a little bit on being too cheap too soon. And as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the funds get a little bit jittery. They have been short out there, looking at the overall world supply and demand. And and basically, when you get them sort of easing into trying to take a few bit, bit, bit of cover back in, you get uh, other um, electronic, really, tradings taking place, and that just fuels the market a little bit really and certainly first part of the week as well saw support from the hot dry weather not only here but across Europe as well supporting the market the French again they've uh, reduced their uh, crop ratings and their forecast marginally which I think uh, coupled with what we've seen uh, over the past month or so really is increasing reports of uh, decreasing crop size in Spain uh, they've reduced their wheat crop by a further half million tonnes and 400,000 tonnes on the barley, so if you look at uh, them as an individual country they've uh, uh, probably going to combine uh, about 6, 6.5 million tonnes less than they did last year, which isn't Bad news for the UK because traditionally we've tended to do quite a bit of that business. I think the market on wheat really peaked Tuesday afternoon. Uh, towards the end of the week, I think the, the heat wave hype really uh, throughout Europe receded a little bit, and the market's giving back some of that risk premium. Uh, talk at the show: any impact on uh, UK crops was largely, think, I think, to be on light land and, and probably minimal at this stage. So just as uh, new crop has improved, old crop, well, not so much really. AHDB now showing that imports are running about 1.7 million tonnes, and we are now seeing continued feed wheat, old crop coming into uh, the UK, to the extremities uh, of uh, portside destinations, Liverpool, Teesside, and into the southwest, uh, and that's French wheat. Uh, As we know, French had a poorer crop this year quality wise and that's having to find a market and it's having to find a market to go on a boat in France, come across here and then compete with our feed wheat. So it is cheap at the moment. All seed rape, well that rose again on the on the back of the weather market in the first part of the week. Uh, soya following the wheat in the in the in the States towards the end of the week again that giving up some of those those earlier gains. French harvest that's about a week away now. Uh, Black Sea, yep they'll they'll be getting the combines out as we speak I think really for those uh, growers who haven't yet made a decision on all seed rate for this season and i think there are quite a few out there at the moment um, openfield do have storage deals available you know get it moved straight away at harvest take a bit of an advance uh, on finance and then price it up later on uh, uh, as far as malting barley is concerned well uh, that's still quite a reasonable trade, I think, really. We've got spring barley for the autumn at 147, uh, for Jan March, bad 150. W- winter barley is round about £10 less, and in actual fact, similar prices for 18 crop. Feed barley still the poor relation, I think, as far as I'm concerned, certainly in the further forward positions. Harvest we can make 112 at the moment, November 122. Uh, feed wheat, July old crop 145, with harvest 137 to 140, and November 140 to 142, with a pound a month carry. Milling wheat premiums as yet, really ill-defined. You know, obviously, we'll have to wait and see how we get on with harvest as far as that's concerned. All seed rape, uh, as I say, peaked earlier on in the week with harvest at two ninety four to two ninety seven and November ten pound more. And then finally beans September, October, feed beans 156 to 158, with November 158 to 160. Uh, human consumption premiums, quoted at fifteen to twenty pounds, but I haven't heard of anything trading as yet.
4: Thank you, Chris Spratt from Open Field. Well, as he mentioned, Chris and the team were at the Lincolnshire Show and it was another successful event for all concerned this week. A bit like cereals the week before, it was a scorcher of a first day and a cooler second day. For those attending, whether visitors, guests or exhibitors, all agreed the Lincolnshire Show does seem to be growing in success – at a time when some others have fallen by the wayside. Alan Robson is agricultural chaplain. He says such shows seem more important now than ever. They are, uh, to attract the next generation, to enthuse younger people um,
0: that, you know, having a career within agriculture and all its many sectors, whether it's land agency to tax consultancy to um, actual practical work on the land. It's a massive industry and there's lots of opportunities. So the Ag Society really does want to begin to promote that
4: more and more. uh, So it's attractive to the young people on our doorstep. It was a similar message to Alan Robson's there from Minette Batters, Deputy President of the National Farmers Union, during her visit to the show
3: on Wednesday. Oh, fantastic. And, you know, I've visited quite a lot of Lincolnshire businesses now in my time. And most recently, the flower sector and Matt Naylor, Sue Lamb, uh, they're brilliant businesses. And I think we often tend to forget, you know, Lincolnshire is is sort of, to me, the sort of capital, not only of, of horticulture and agriculture, but the flowers, the blooms that we have here... Um, that brighten up everybody's home. You know, they're an untalked-about sector that we need to talk much more about, I feel.
4: Ross Murray is president of the CLA. Like Manette Batters, he too was at the show on Wednesday. Well, it's absolutely gorgeous. I can't tell you, not only is it a beautiful
6: day, but it is the most beautiful showground. I'm just so impressed with the investment, the layout... Um, the way in everything about it, and I'm looking forward to going down to the cattle line straight after this. And, and this is my second visit to Lincolnshire; it's been a great joy. And so, for a Scotsman who lives in Wales to come to Lincolnshire
4: <laughs> on a day like this, I can tell you, it's been hugely enjoyable. Thank uh, I, ge- you. I guess by touring all the counties, you're, show- you're seeing the diverse nature of agriculture around the UK as well. No
6: two counties in England, Wales, or indeed Scotland are the same. Every county has its own idiosyncrasies, but actually, there is a common theme, and that is everybody loves and very proud of what they do in. in in, in the countryside, and, and despite all of our individual county idiosyncrasies, we're all doing the same thing, we're caring for this amazing british countryside and producing really good nutritious
4: food for the population we'll hear more from ross murray and minette batters a little later in the program what of the exhibitors though at the show this week well i spoke to two of them in a moment john smith from louth tractors but first a man who uh, i know is listening this morning he does every sunday He's become famous at the show for his sausage rolls it's uh, andrew Warrener, owner of willow farm
1: and neville barnes limited very good yes we've had a very good day yesterday at the show and Today, hopefully, is going to be the same.
4: And you've got uh, some, uh, well, a lot of uh, machinery on uh, on display here. Talk us through some of it.
1: Yes, we do uh, machinery: front end mowers and rear mowers, compact sprayers and bucket bushes, forklift implements, fuel tanks, front end weights, and then we've got all the parts that we manufacture on show as well.
4: It's a diverse business you've got, isn't
1: it? Yes, it's become very diverse, really. We even manufacture bar stools now and park benches.
4: You feel you have to, I guess. Nowadays, as we see with lots of farming, we have to be diverse, don't we? Be be diverse.
1: Yes, yes, you've got to keep looking around every corner and see what's coming into the pictures. There's machinery out there every day and it's getting seriously big now. Uh, So, the buy the machinery, it's going to last the, the farmer 10 or 15 years, but he's always going to want parts for the machinery, so uh, the part side of things is going to be a good way to
4: go. And this is what your sixth year, I think you've been at the Linkster Show now, so uh, you just buy the main ring as well, so prime location. Do you find like you enjoy coming to the
1: show? Yes, yes, we very enjoy meeting everybody, and it, it's good for people to come and see us and never. Bit of refreshments and um, and a chat about what's coming up in farming. They keep informing us what they're going to do next, whether they're buying a big machine or or not. Like so, uh, good yeah. indication really of how the mood is, I
4: suppose, mood within agriculture.
1: Yes, it definitely gives you a good impression uh, when they're coming. It's doom and gloom. It, you you have to start thinking it could be doom and gloom but uh, no, not many farmers are now it's uh, very buoyant at the moment
0: hey, it's John Smith at Louth Tractors Lincolnshire show, as far as I'm concerned it's always the highlight of the show season been a really, really good couple of days yesterday, busy all day, nice and warm everybody in a good mood I think the show gets better and better just seen there's much more um, exhibits from a machinery point of view as well at the show this year compared to other years I think. I think so, if you go back five years there were quite a few gaps at this end of the showground, this year it's booked out. And for Louth Tractors do you see it as a, a networking or do you, do you do much business here? We do a bit of business, we see it as our, we focus here as a social event, we're thanking our customers, we're inviting them onto the stand, a cup of tea, beer and a local ice cream from Farmer Brown down at Hogsworth, goes down goes down really well. We've had our own special mix this year, Black Cherry Ripple. So yeah, it's gone down really well. But we do a little bit of business, uh, we make contacts, we continue discussions with people we're talking to, so a bit of both. But first and foremost, a social.
4: And wh- Why do you think it is that agriculture shows in other parts of the country have just failed? They're just not not existing anymore in many parts of the country, but Lincoln is getting stronger and stronger. I think they've lost their focus um, this is an agricultural show
0: and it strongly protects that, uh, that theme there's lots of machinery here, there's lots of animals, it is out and out I mean Lincolnshire is the powerhouse county of the UK agriculturally and the show reflects it so I think there's been a lot of emphasis from the management here to keep it that way and it's working yep. it's, it's modernised, there's lots of different attractions, there's plenty of shopping there's lots of entertainment but the agricultural side of
4: the show is always well and truly looked after John Smith of Louth Tractors and before him, Andrew Warner of Willow Farm at this year's Lincolnshire Show. Much of the talk at the Lincolnshire Show, certainly on the Wednesday afternoon, was of the Queen's Speech and news of an agriculture bill to be developed over the next 12 months. Minette Batters of the NFU was among those welcoming the bill. I think
3: it is really good news and I'm delighted that it is uh, forming part of the Queen's Speech um, because ultimately we need agriculture to be looked at through a very different lens to, to what it has been in the past. Past uh, 70% of the UK is rural, and I think rural Britain as a whole has felt pretty disadvantaged and unloved, if I'm honest, uh, in the past. You know, by this cover- current government. So this is a chance to reposition it, and I'm, I'm delighted that they are looking at a full agricultural act.
4: You met uh, Michael Gove last night. There was a, a reception at uh, Parliament. You pleased with the new DEFRA secretary so far?
3: Look, it's, it's great to have a big-hitting politician that absolutely resonates around the Cabinet table as Secretary of State of DEFRA. Um, he's a very bright man. He's had a background, obviously, uh, as a, a Secretary of State within education, um, he was, had some bold policies within education, but there are many shared synergies, I think, with education, health, food, farming. And I think he provides that sort of vital link, if you like, between other government departments. So we're not just focusing on one. But yes, I think it's a good appointment and we really look forward to working with him, to building a relationship. I met with him last night, had a very positive conversation. It does seem he wants to engage with farmers as well. It does. I mean, look, you know, we've got a few concerns uh, when he talks about us having cheaper food. We must remember food has never been cheaper. You know, currently 12% of yours and my annual income. It has never been cheaper. So, you know, to start saying we're going to have even cheaper food, I, I have big concerns about that, especially from countries across the world that have different standards to us. You know, we're very proud in the UK of the high standards that we have. Um, red chatter is about the most traceable food system in the world. You know, we have the safest food system in the world. We're proud of it. And yes, you know, we want to protect it. We want the British public to really know about it and value it, which, of course, they do. The number of people that want to buy local, you know, it's it's all for the good. But, you know, we don't intend to allow produce onto our shores that's been produced to different standard.
4: Also welcoming the agriculture bill, again, like Manette we heard from him earlier. Back at the CLA stand, President Ross Murray. We want to see a really successful Brexit outcome we- we want to see good trade deals. We
6: want to see, over the next four or five years, um, thinking going into what a future UK agricultural policy should look like. We call it food, farming and environment policy because I think it needs to embrace all of those areas. Um, We need to think really hard about future regulation and the Great Repeal Bill will fundamentally cover management of countryside issues repatriated from Europe and that's a huge task and one of the jobs of the CLA is to scrutinise legislation so you don't get bad law. And then um, fourthly, the other sort of priority really um, for the Queen's Speech is to make sure that we actually have access to a labour force. Lincolnshire farming. Desperately reliant on, on an Eastern European workforce, um, and, and these people aren't even seasonal workers; they're full-time workers. And uh, so, we need a
4: new a new understanding about what immigration rules and, and workers' rights are going to be in the future. And some people think that is going to become an issue in two years' time when we're out of Europe. But it's actually an issue now, isn't it? Finding that workforce.
6: Well, it is, and and it's an issue for for um, a number of reasons and some unintended consequences. Currency is one of them. Secondly, there's nervousness amongst um, some of the communities uh, who who send their sons and daughters over here to work. Um, They're thinking, "Mm, are we wanted? Um, And and so, actually, we're going to have
4: to really sort of get this right. Really important, and and we're going to have to do it quite soon. Ross Murray, president of the CLA on that Queen's Speech agriculture bill. Well, one of those who will be instrumental in putting the bill together is the farming minister, George Eustace. He was at the show on Thursday... So what can we expect from the bill?
2: Well, look, I, uh, I think we've got a tremendous opportunity as an industry to design and redesign an agriculture policy fit for the 21st century, going back to first principles. Uh, and as we leave behind the rather bureaucratic EU system, we've got, uh, we've got an opportunity to spend that money differently in a more effective, better targeted way. And that's what I've been outlining to farmers here today.
4: I had the, uh, of course, the Queen's speech yesterday, the agriculture bill part of that. Any, any hints on what we might be able to expect in that next year?
2: Well, we're going to work very closely with uh, industry, with green NGOs, the NFU and others uh, to to work up some more granular proposals over the course of the next six months or so. But I've already outlined some of the key principles uh, and ideas that we're looking at. Uh, We're looking at policies that might help farmers manage risks. Farming's inherently risky, exposed to weather and pests and disease and market volatility. And we want to see whether there are government-backed schemes that could help farmers manage that. We're looking at whether there are schemes we could have to help farmers invest in the future and improve their productivity, uh, whether we can support more collaborative working, whether on uh, marketing to supermarkets or indeed on research and development and of course whether we can have uh, better targeted more effective uh, schemes for our farmed environment to promote wildlife and improve soil health. So there are some key big principles that we've set out, we've got lots of ideas and we want to be sharing those with uh, the industry over the next six months. So in certain
4: times obviously with the, the Brexit talks underway we don't quite know where we're going to end up. What reassurance can, get, can you give to, uh, to people here at the show?
2: Well, one of the things I've uh, been explaining to farmers is the crucial thing for agriculture and indeed for the country, obviously, is to get uh, that comprehensive free trade agreement. Uh, and it is in the interest of the European Union to do that deal for a free trade agreement as well. They need access to the UK market. It's a lucrative uh, market for them. And actually, they stand to lose more than we do if there's no free trade agreement uh, in place. So I believe we'll get that to give farmers that uh, security. And when it comes to domestic policy we will no longer need permission from the EU for what we want to do. We will design our own agriculture policy and our own uh, support systems and that's an exciting opportunity and we will be free from many of the constraints that have held us back in the past.
4: Final question, Mm -hmm. Uh, a number of shows like uh, the Lincolnshire no longer in existence, agricultural shows around the country. You must be pleased to see a thriving Lincolnshire show.
2: I think uh, it would be a tragedy if uh, there was not a thriving uh, Lincolnshire show. Uh, This is the powerhouse of British agriculture, some 30 80 percent of of all our veg is grown here in uh, Lincolnshire. It's a big player in sectors such as poultry and pigs as well. And I think the lesson really is that the agricultural shows in places like where I come from, Cornwall, and here in Lincolnshire that have uh, have done well are those that have uh, remained true to their roots and kept that uh, connection with agriculture. Some of the ones 20 years ago that drifted too far from agriculture uh, came unstuck and lost their sense of purpose. And I'm pleased to see that the Lincolnshire show is still doing well.
4: Farming Minister George Eustace, there. I'm sure we'll be talking more about that agriculture bill as it develops over the coming months. On to agronomy then, our weekly update from Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. He was also at the show.
7: Morning, Sean. Yes, good morning, Sean. What a great show. Another triumph for Lincolnshire. Great, great show. I never get tired of the Lincolnshire show. Um, and the weather was quite good to us as well. Wednesday we had 32 degrees, it was hot, it was absolutely stifling. Um, Thursday dropped down a bit, 19 degrees, bit changeable, bit chilly really. It's now Friday morning, it's 7 o'clock, I'm on top of the Lincolnshire Wolds and it started to rain quite heavily actually in the Sotby area. Um, So we've gone through the summer solstice, the nights are pulling in, the weather's changed. Um, Hopefully that wasn't summer on Wednesday but we get what we get, there's not a lot we can do about it. But this morning I just want to talk about the old seed because you cannot have failed to have noticed how it's bleached over the last 7 to 10 days and that's because of that intense sunshine and hot weather. You cannot assume that because you normally spray off in the middle of July it's going to be the case this year. On Tuesday the 20th of June I found oilseed rape out near Boston where every single seed in the bottom pods was black 90% of the seeds in the middle pods were black and the odd bit of brown and all of them were brown in the top pods. That's actually probably a week late for glyphosate. What you're looking at is you look at your field of rape, take a representative area, representative picture of the field and pull the racines and look in the pods and if the seeds in the top pods are still quite green but turning brown the seeds in the bot in the middle pods are nearly all brown with the odd bit of black but there's still a fleck of green and in the bottom pods they're more black than they are brown but no green that's the perfect timing for glyphosate now remember Glyphosate is not a true desiccant. What it does is it sort of pushes the fast-forward button on the ripening and it evens up the ripening process within the crop. That's your perfect timing for glyphosate. Most applications of glyphosate have this built-in uh, leathering effect on the plants. They tend to leather the pods, and that means you don't get so much pod shatter from an application of glyphosate as you would with, say, uh, diquat if that's your preferred method, because diquat is more of a desiccant than glyphosate is, so you may well want to include something like a spodnum or a pod stick just to put that microscopic mesh around the pods that helps prevent pod shatter if you're using diquat. So with glyphosate, and also remember with you've got EX varieties of rape. most varieties with the prefix EX have inbuilt pod shatter resistance. So know your variety. Go out, have a look in there in the book check see if you've got inbuilt pod shatter because that's a quid you needn't spend if you have um so just get out there and check them don't just assume because if you leave them two or three weeks longer than they should you're going to lose seed through pod shatter and that's no good because they filled well they look good why waste it just for the sake of getting out and having a look so please don't just assume they're only bleaching you need to check um Also, uh, in spring beans, we're starting to see aphids increasing, black aphids, peas as well. So you've only got one application of perimicarb, as you know. Mm -hmm. You want to get that on probably at this point. Um, And also, don't forget, keep your fungicide program up. Now it's turning wet the instance of botrytis and that sort of thing, downy mildew, will certainly increase. You may need to think about an SL567A in your spring beans. Um, that is an off-label approval, and that helps against downy mildew. And while you're thinking about downy mildew, and you, if you've got potatoes, for goodness sake, keep those blight intervals to seven days. Whether it's a Beaufort period, a Smith period, a hunting period, if it's hot and thundery, you've got blight potential. So keep your interval to seven days, and let's see what next week brings. Indeed. Let's
4: see what it brings. Thank you, Sean Sparling. What does the week bring weather-wise?
3: The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast.
4: Well, today patchy clouds, some sunny spells, showers as well, some uh, evening sunshine though, 16 Celsius the high, the wind from the west 20 to 30 miles an hour. Clear skies overnight tonight. Temperatures down to 8 Celsius, that wind from the west at about 10 miles an hour. And then tomorrow, again, patchy cloud, that cloud increasing through the day, 20 Celsius the high for Monday. The wind from the south between 10 and 15 miles an hour. It looks like a heavy band of rain will sweep across our area Monday into Tuesday. Some heavy rain, particularly overnight. Lows of around 14 Celsius, the wind from the west-southwest, 10 gusting at 20, maybe even 25 miles an hour during that rain. Tuesday starts sunny, though cloud will increase. 19 the high, the wind from the west-southwest, 15 miles an hour. And then Tuesday into Wednesday stays cloudy, temperatures around 11 Celsius, the wind from the south-southwest, again about 10 miles an hour. Another band of heavy rain is forecast for Wednesday afternoon. It might miss us, could well change. The hourly update, will keep you in touch with that. Temperatures about 19 Celsius. The wind expected to swing more from the southeast, 10 to 15 miles an hour. And then the latter end of the week does look like being a wet end to the week. Uh, Further heavy showers are forecast. They are possible, a period of low pressure uh, over much of the UK. We'll keep a check as to whether that changes, as I say, with the hourly updates. So that's the forecast. Hopefully, as Sean Sparling said, not the end of summer. We'll see. Uh, I'll leave you this week with uh, one of the more bizarre sounds from the Lincolnshire show. This is sheep dancing. I kid you not. I've
7: got
3: to move on, sorry. Moonwalks, cross back, back, crossover, two steps, little shimmy, another moonwalk, back, tail wiggle, you can't even see it. Look at the footwork, should be on strictly. at
1: Every time a coconut is the same routine, you're a legend, Nobby. Wish I could have freed a stairs, come back to the
2: sheep. Have a good
4: week's farming.